0: Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Notin. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talking to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe 2 share your favorite episode on social media 3 buy me a pizza log on my website slash podcast and click on the icon buy me a pizza interviews is brought to you by social prize a marketing and communication agency managed by a highly qualified team and operating remotely since 2005 SocialPrize specializes in digital technologies and communications, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking, and much more. Find out more about them on their website, www.socialprizeprise.me. Hi, thank you for joining interviews. Today, we are flying over the Pacific all the way to Latin America and Colombia. My guest is Ilana Milkes, the founder and CEO of Worldtech, a company that educates millennials and centennials so they can feel empowered and ready to change the world through technology. Hello. Hola, Ilana. Hola, (laughs) Lauren. (laughs) Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm very excited
0: to talk (laughs) to you. Excellent. So let's start then. Tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: My journey. So um, it was 2013 and I was working at this private equity firm in New York City. And uh, it was like a super interesting company. Actually, it's a Sweden um, private fund. And I realized that I wanted to do something more than uh, analyzing companies um, and uh, providing some type of give back feeling to my community and be able to uh, Provide solutions for them. So, we realized education is a way for people to lift themselves out of different situations. And specifically, and in, in particular, technology education is a way to create more innovation and enable people to um, just thrive and push humanity forward. So, we combine these two, and uh, that's where I'm at right now.
0: All right. And so, that's why you decided to become an entrepreneur.
1: well i was actually already an entrepreneur in a way when i was in high school i'll do like candy market arbitrage so i'll sell candies Uh, and it it was because i like it Uh, my father is a business person so i always saw him as um you know having his own kind of like schedule and traveling the world and doing a lot of different stuff so uh, i knew there was a different lifestyle um but I guess I made the jump after working a bit uh, at a company um, and that's where like, OK, I want to have this freedom, uh, but also I want to impact and be able to put my kind of ideas into the world and work with other people and change society in a way. So um, but since I was, I was very young, I was doing kind of candy, RV trash. <laughs> 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 I trash. I was an entrepreneur since a very young age. Yeah.
0: Right. So so it was kind of in your blood
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> and uh on a scale one to ten how hooked are you at being an entrepreneur today
1: well actually i think to me so i i kind of learned to realize this but and and appreciate it too but entreprendre is like a, the french word for yeah. entrepreneurship right and that's the root of the word um in terms of where the etymology of the world right uh, and i think everyone is uh going after their dreams, right? So to me, um, they're different lifestyles. And you can kind of align yourself with those lifestyles. Uh, and I think uh, building a company um, has a lot of trendy words and a lot of kind of like aspects to that. Um, and uh, at the same time, I think that people who have a salary and are, are under that, that's great. That's also another addiction. And there's actually a phrase by Nassim Taleb. I don't know if you know the the author, nope. but he's he's amazing. So he's written like books like Black Swan and Anti-Fragile, Touched oh, yeah, okay. by Randomness, and he mentions there are three deadly kind of uh, sins and addictions. One is like heroin, one is like carbohydrates, and one is like the salary. So <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it. But to me, everyone's going after dreams, and and I like to see it that way. Like you're going after your dreams, so sort that's of, like you're. Undertaking that dream in a way is your lifestyle, but um, right, yeah, it it fits me in terms of what I want for my life. Yeah,
0: he forgot another addiction entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's another addiction. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: (laughs) so uh, you are located in Colombia, so how is is doing business in Colombia at, at the moment?
1: Yeah, in Colombia, so I think in terms of infrastructure and ecosystem, the last six years have seen a change, a huge change. So especially in tech, um, if you think about what's going on and how many companies are rising and receiving like funding, capital and um, the number of those companies, there's definitely a growth that's very interesting, not just in Colombia, but across Latin America. Um, and uh, you can capitalize on that, uh, regardless of, of who you are. I think there's an opportunity. Um, I do think uh, in terms of data, if you compare at who has access to capital more, um, I, I think uh, male-led uh, companies tend to have more facility, facilities to raise capital. But this is mm. across the world. Like, this is not just Colombian-focused. Um, I think the percentage was like 6% or something ridiculous like that. Um, but this is worldwide. So I think the challenges are, are there, uh, for generations of, of women and, um, in general, uh, entrepreneurs. But, um, um, I think there's definitely a, a thriving and, and booming ecosystem. Of course, you cannot compare with other ecosystems like New York City, San Francisco, or, um, some places in Europe too. Uh, but I definitely think that, um, it's definitely growing and you can see, it, especially in Colombia compared to other ecosystems in, in Latin America.
0: Right. And why, why do you think is that? Why Colombia well, compared to other systems?
1: There's a combination. So one, there's been like a very strong focus from uh, the public sector to promote this in the past 10 years. Um, investing in infrastructure, investing in programs that support entrepreneurs, investing in technology and innovation. Um, that's something that we've seen in the past 10 years. Um, at the same time, um, because we're in the same time zone compared to the U.S. and in a very strategic geographic position. So we're kind of the door of Latin America. Um, I think that's also very um, interesting in terms of tourism. Uh, The industry of tourism is huge. It's like $7 billion per year for Colombia. We have the most biodiverse country in the world um, per square meter. So that attracts a lot of people um, from like people who are interested in like, you know, tourism for science, uh, but also just like seeing what's going on. And at the same time, we're going through a lot of social changes. So Colombia was in a civil war for 50 years. Um, It's still on the work. There's still like um, small groups of like, um, I guess, like um, insurgents. But there was a peace treaty that was signed with a lot of different companies and different organizations supporting uh, this peace treaty. So I think that's uh, definitely creating a different environment. Um, And also, of course, like internet access and mobile technologies. Like I think worldwide, you've seen the boom of different companies from uh, mobile kind of social media platforms to um, just different ways to create content. Um, And this is also a trend that we've seen like happening um, in other places. But um, I think it's a combination of things.
0: So, So you said you were in New York City, then you moved back to Colombia. Was it important for you to be an entrepreneur in Colombia and help promote your country?
1: Well, it it was definitely important, but at the moment when we actually launched, so I launched with um, uh, our co-founder at the time. He then went ahead and launched another company. Um, Mm. He's from Canada and he was living in Brazil. And so when we launched, we launched in Brazil at the same time as we launched in Colombia. And I was actually in in the U.S. when we launched. Um, So we were actually launching first the Facebook group and we saw there was traction and interest. And that's when I decided to move. Um, I moved here for almost eight months um, and then I moved uh, I moved to Chile because we got into startup Chile. So I was there for almost a year. Um, then the following year, I came back for almost a year and then I went to States and then I went to Mexico for one year, then Spain for one year. So I feel like with this company, I've been able to live from other countries and at the same time mm-hmm. run the company. Um, but there's definitely the interest of helping develop uh, the region um, and also helping create different realities and um, environments for people through education, through other types of infrastructure um, opportunities, and also um, with like tech, which I think it's a huge um, equalizer in terms of access to creativity and opportunity for you to connect. So um, that's something that um, I appreciate a lot of living now
0: in yeah. this area. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you do, which is climate tech. What, what is yeah. what is it? I'm a bit of a, of a beginner there. <laughs> I don't yeah. you know, you <laughs> sure. for me.
1: Well, so they're, they're actually so we, you know, it, it's interesting because you have all these buzzwords, right? But it's, yeah. and it's like sustainability work. Um, so we have huge challenges right now. So on one end, um, and I'll give you the example of Colombia. So uh, we have super biodiverse ecosystems. Um, but then they're dying in front of our eyes so uh, I was like telling you about the coral so there's coral bleaching in the Caribbean side of our country which is beautiful beaches it's the most beautiful nature most beautiful blue of the ocean right Mm. Uh, but then if you dive and go under uh, all the corals are dying and so it's like unreal to see uh, but this is happening in our country and we're like okay what can we do to solve this or at least help Uh, preserve our ecosystems. Um, And so um, the climate aspect is being aware of climate change, I I guess, and uh, the climate crisis that we're facing. Uh, And then tech um, is the technology aspect. How can we leverage technology to address those uh, sustainability and climate crises that we're facing? Um, So that kind of uh, term refers to that. In particular to our work, um, Mm. it's after realizing what what's going on um and so we're providing ways for people to restore our oceans, which is the largest carbon sink but also uh through technology and leveraging technology so that's where the climate tech um term comes um to fit yeah
0: right and you were talking earlier on when we talk about entrepreneurship and what it means for you to be an entrepreneur you you use the word impact you say impact which is a word that i often hear in, in, in the mouth of, uh, of other entrepreneurs, yeah. you know? Is that yeah. how you, 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 prov- you, you give that impact through climate tech?
1: Well, there are different aspects to impact. So I think when you're working in a solution by default, you're creating an impact because mm. everything's interconnected, whether that's um, FinTech company or whether that's a social enterprise, um, because we're so connected and everything works in systems, right? Um, But in particular, the way, yeah, we measure impact, so it's around, so on our education branch, um, because we have an education, so tech skills development branch, so this is uh, where we help people get jobs, we measure job employment, how many people we train, how many companies are uh, trained, um, you know, if they get to close their digital gap or not, so those are kind of impact metrics. Um, For reef restoration, we're measuring not just the quality of the environment uh, in which we're at, so the temperature of the ocean, um, how many corals we're growing, what percentage are resistant and not dying when the process of, um, before the reef restoration happens process takes place. Um, Also how many people um, were um, kind of like helping be empowered empowered, uh, in the community. So we also have training programs for the fisher people or fish people around the community um, and also carbon um, credits or carbon offsets. So um, this is another environmental aspect that we're measuring in terms of impact metrics. Um, but yeah, they come from like social, economic and also environmental um, areas. And and I guess right now what happens with entrepreneurs is that a lot have realized that um, in a way, what, when they get involved in something, by default, they'll be focusing on climate initiatives because of what we're going through um, and what we're living, right? So I, I like to see it that way, which is a little bit romantic, but yeah, <laughs> I guess in a way that I prefer to think many people are getting into it to solve those issues.
0: I understand, I understand that, but then there's the aspect of your business; you need to make money. So how do yeah. how do you make money in a way you know you in a way that is not I would say shocking to the, uh, to the, to the population, you know, in a way that is, that is accepted by, by others.
1: Yeah, I guess. So I, you know, to me, like money, um, is not kind of the end goal. It's a mean to uh, reach our end goal. Um, it's definitely very important in terms of sustainability. So for instance, since we started WorldTech, uh, it's been, uh, profitable. We've invested in other service lines, uh, bootstrapping the company, which is mm. very rare, um, especially for tech entrepreneurs. Um, And right now with this reef restoration uh, project, so the way we make money is we sell you the option to adopt the coral. So uh, we cover for the costs of that adoption process. And then we also give you credits um, or carbon credits that correspond to the amount of carbon that those corals that are growing up will offset. Um, so you're actually getting carbon credits by adopting a coral. What you can do with this uh, carbon credits is up to you. You can sell those carbon credits in the market. Um, if you look at the carbon credit market, it has grown 38%, 34% in the past year. It's like over $200 billion per year wow. per year right now. And it's set to grow almost four times in the next years in Europe, um, Europe being the largest carbon credits market uh, right now worldwide. Um, so that's the way we're sustaining ourselves, especially for the reef restoration and for the technology education branch. Um, the kind of like opportunity is huge. So education is one of the biggest industries worldwide. It's over two trillion dollars, um, growing at double digits numbers per um, per year. Um, if people don't get either reskilling up or upskilling, there's going to be a potential loss of almost eight trillion dollars. Uh, for gone revenue for companies. So it's also very kind of uh, liquid market to put it that mm. way. Um, so I think it doesn't have to be either impact or profits or sustainability. Um, and, and to me, it's something that's just entangled and it's just a way to operate. Um, but I definitely think that um, being involved in businesses that are not just like sustainable, but also create metrics around social, environmental and development, um, Progress uh, are are very interesting to me. Um, so, um, yeah, that, to that question.
0: You said you are uh, bootstrapped, and um, and I'm like, well, oh, so that's possible, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Especially especially in a in a world in a tech industry where there's a lot of startup going after the VC money. Yeah. Why did you bootstrap? Was, was that was that a, a decision that you made from the beginning?
1: Well, it was a combination of things. So um we actually I had a previous I had two previous tech companies. Um so one was a video game company that mm. um didn't work. So <laughs> we <laughs> basically went bankrupt. Uh this was like almost like at the same time, I was still in college. Um and then the other one was uh the former uh World Tech Makers, which was focused only on coding boot camps, um, which we then dissolved um and that and then we launched another World Tech, but it's a separate entity, keeping the brand. Mm. Um, and during the, that second company, I did raise money from, um, you know, Tim Draper, which is one of the biggest um, investors in Silicon Valley. And he has this huge record of investing in, in Tesla and Skype and all these Baidu companies. Um, and I learned a lot uh, after raising that um, amount of money. Um, first, like we were already making money. And we just spend money without thinking about ways to make the business more sustainable. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why we ended up closing the original on-site coding bootcamp uh, company, because we just didn't know how to, what to do with money. We had it, but we were just spending it. We weren't thinking about resourceful ways to make the business more sustainable. Um, Yeah, it was attractive to people because, you know, the intros were like, oh, you know, I raised money from like Team Draper. Mm -hmm. But the money was the the business wasn't healthy. Um, And um, yeah, in terms of like what was going on, that was something that was definitely not uh, sustainable. Um, And I see a lot of people um, equating success as an entrepreneur with raising money when Mm -hmm. a lot of times these people don't even have a business model or don't even have profitable, um, you know, activities. So I think it's very, kind of, from my experience, um, you have to really understand how businesses work um, before falling into all let's raise money and and then go for it. Now we decided after that experience, we uh, closed down that company at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And then we launched the World Tech branch, which is a separate entity. One of my decisions was, okay, I'm not going to raise money until we're, profitable, we have clear business models, if we can build it ourselves and make it work, we'll, we're going to do it. Um, because um, a lot of times VCs also have a focus on just um, you know, exiting the business and, and making money, but are not necessarily aligned with your mission, which is more, of course, like making money, but with a, a different approach. Um, so I think you also have to almost choose your investors and choose the right time for you to raise money. Not saying there's one way or another way to do it, or better or worse, but I think it depends on who you are as an entrepreneur. and if you're willing to bootstrap um, to reach your milestones and then look for money that's great. If you're looking for, to grow your company as a bootstrap company, look at Melchim, for instance, they're bootstrap and they are over 100 million dollars in mm. revenue per year. So I think it's also possible um um and uh yeah like you know just like stay open to what works for you and uh in terms of what i learned is i prefer to have sustainability first and then once that's super clear um look for um i guess uh, capital from external sources
0: right so it is on your own terms and not on the terms yeah. of someone someone else. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. And I was about to ask you what was your biggest mistake, but I think I have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's it's fantastic. very interesting what you're saying about, you know, we have the money, but we didn't know how to spend it. So you just yeah. you know had this business, but you didn't build the you didn't build the foundation. And that is something that I see a lot in the startup world. And I think that yeah. this message is is so important. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that experience.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Yes. Any other lessons you have learned as an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, so definitely team building. To me, Mm. that's um, one of the most important things you can do. Um, Surrounded yourself with people who are super competent, uh, but also very passionate and committed to your mission and what you're reaching and aspiring to do um and uh this is like to me the one of the key aspects um and of course like not just hiring people and bringing people together but also the culture that you establish for your team um and for yourself so team building culture building to me those are kind of like things I think about all the time and uh I think that makes or break a company um in Mm. terms of like entrepreneurship you can have the best idea the best technology the best market but if you don't have the right people um it's going to take a lot of work or maybe it won't work but if you have really good people and even if you're kind of on a shitty market or have your solution still being built up i think that you're going to be able to make it work in a way like you're finally going to make it work if, if you have a team that's solid and committed
0: yes i agree com- completely um how how big is your team
1: we're 12, 12. 12 people
0: and if, if yeah. i was to ask uh your team members to describe you as a leader what would they say
1: yeah i actually had this question already we were going to <laughs> yeah no i was like i'm gonna let them answer this and see what they think um, so I, th- I like, you know, I, I like they say, it, uh, I, I was very committed. Um, and this mm-hmm. is my, their words, of course, because like, otherwise, uh, you know, um, so very committed, um, very kind of passionate and risk-taking. Um, I like to work on things that shape markets and I, I like to arrive before others. Um, so we started with the coding bootcamp industry. We pioneered that in Latin America like seven years ago. Um, in 2018, the first uh, coding bootcamp started to arrive to Latin America, so after five years. um, Right now, we're also working on new kind of things like, for instance, reef restoration with the carbon credit. Very few initiatives are focusing on apply uh, blue carbons um, that have a sustainable model um, in Latin America right now. Um, And we're also working on another aspect that is also going to shape a new market in a way. So um, I like to kind of take those risks. and you know go for it so yeah all right (laughs) i'll describe that like that yeah
0: okay what are you the most proud of today
1: as an entrepreneur um i'll say like staying consistent and and staying kind of uh focused and Mm. and committed because um you know we've gone through a lot of stuff so we've gone through teammates quitting uh we've gone through Burning cash and, and you know, like having to close the company. We've gone through product launches that didn't work. Uh, we've gone through like you know growth as well and like you know profits and super solid partnerships. And at the end, like I think you, it, what what's kind of defining you is like how committed you are and how much discipline you put in in every year and consistency with your vision. Um, that's something I'm very proud of.
0: That's super interesting. <sighs> because it's tough to stay to stay consistent and focused especially especially when you go through so much so many challenges uh, like you have yeah. how do yeah. you do that like practically concretely give us some examples
1: yeah so definitely uh, awareness and and this is a journey that is like personal development but also professional development so um i used to be an athlete so um to me like you know, investing a lot of time into something to play one game per year, mm. and you'll train every day, and then you'll play like for two hours. Uh, so that idea of training for a, a period of time, and then until like the end, seeing like that competitive aspect, I think that's something that's kind of embedded. And, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with like, putting the hours all in, right. But at the same time, you have to manage your own psychology, and you have to be aware of your cognitive biases, you have to be aware of, your blind spots. Um, You have to learn how to understand people to either help them reach their maximum or manage them, right? So um, it's a lot of psychology um, embedded into this process of entrepreneurship. Um, And I think that's super key. Right now, you know, people talk about mental models or Mm. um, they talk about, you know, like, um, well-being and health and, uh, you know, like, a lot of times it's like you know drink. Uh, I remember like you know eat healthy and drink this powder and then you'll get to next the next level. I think it works in different ways, but I think it starts with awareness and and you understanding you you also have your flaws and you're imperfect and you can make mistakes. But then embracing that and then kind of moving forward and and taking one day at a time. Something that has also helped me a lot is coming um you know um in contact with like thinkers like Nassim Taleb, for instance, Mm. where um, he kind of starts with the fact that, well, there's more than I don't know than what I know. Um, And when you start your day like that as an entrepreneur with every decision, you not just become more present, but also more humble. And you're like, okay, one thing that I don't know about can completely change my business. Uh, I need to be prepared for that. Or I need to make decisions that will mitigate that risk. And Think about what happened last year with COVID. I think no one saw that coming. Um, but um, this is one, this is like an illustration of what Nasim Taleb says of like these events that happen very rarely, but are the events that make history or change things that um, you've never imagined. Um, and another very kind of practical aspect that has helped me a lot uh, in this entrepreneurship journey applied to, you know, like self-awareness and all of this is systems. So, system dynamics and you understanding that, and this is more technical, but um, everything is in- interconnected. So, the economy works as a system. Um, the decisions that we make as a society are a system, right? And when you have this systems thinking uh, approach, um, you can understand their cycles, you know, like, um, Sometimes um, you're going to have more supply, more demand, depends on, on where that is in terms of the cycle, but it's also normal to be in a process of growth and development and also like, you know, reaching your milestones. So I think also embracing that um, is the key to, to kind of moving forward. Um, so yeah, those are very practical ways that, that I can kind of approach this.
0: What do you want to take the, your business? What's, what's your dream?
1: Yeah, we want to grow um, to like 1 billion people impacted um, in the next 10 years. Um, And yeah, we definitely, yeah, we have this ambition. And uh, so like I was telling you, Colombia is like one of the most biodiverse countries, same with Brazil. And what happens is that, you know, at the same time, we have a lot of poverty in our societies. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You know, like we're so rich in terms of nature, what we could be doing with biotech. Um, and we have people dying of hunger or not being being able to educate themselves. So I like to also contribute to that, developing Mm. the region so that people are more prosperous and more creative and can take innovations and bring them to life uh, through their education and their knowledge. Um, And we'll also continue innovating with different um, services and products. So besides growth, like, which is something that I see in terms of scale and impact um, and, and sustainability is very important, but also like innovation and staying innovative as a company and bringing and attracting and retaining very innovative people um is something that i like to kind of like do and live as a as an entrepreneur
0: what's your the biggest obstacle uh that is preventing you today to achieve that goal
1: you know i i guess we're in a phase of like um growth Mm. Uh, so i i see it more as a Especially in the middle of the year, I, I oversee a, a very interesting growth uh, for us. Um, in terms of next the next uh, obstacles, so uh, I, I I won't be able to tell you like in terms of like what will be the future obstacles, uh, but I, I like to think that um, you know you being able as a as the founder to attract very interesting people and retain them that that'll be something a challenge that. Uh, I think, like, um, we may be having, like, um, without, like, an end. Um, Mm. I was just reading the book of uh, the founder of of Netflix, so Reef Hastings, and he was talking about how even being Netflix, uh, you know, like, they have talent um, kind of issues. And as a CEO and founder, I think your main goal is to build the best team. So Mm. um, I think that's always, like, in my mind, like, who can I bring? Who's going to be super good at this and is going to help us? go to the next level? And um, I think that those are questions that I always ask and, and they're always top of mind and they'll probably be top of mind um, next. Uh, and I also think that uh, in terms of the industry we're, we're in, I'm not sure we're gonna kind of be able to make it on time because our, uh, you know, ecologic systems are, are in a crisis in a way mm-hmm. um, and we have very little time to face this Um, very seriously and bring the awareness at a global scale, as I I think it should be happening and changing human behavior for more sustainable development and and continuous development. That's a very big challenge that I I see in the future, Um, especially because we're destroying our our ecosystem. So I'm not sure how sustainable that is, right?
0: The show is interviews cracking the entrepreneurship code. Hence my question. Have you cracked the code? (laughs)
1: yeah i think i think personally um yes because i've been an entrepreneur for like six years and a half now in tech um in terms of cracking the code so i think it's more like you understanding who you are and then embracing that and if you want to be an entrepreneur accepting that you have to take those risks that you make decisions that you are responsible for and you're accountable for and and then you need to face and the moment you embrace this and go for it, to me, that's cracking the code because that's like accepting, okay, you know, like I'm going for this. I may not have all the answers, um, but you know, I'm, I'm going for it. And, and it's that commitment. Um, and now cracking the code for problem, problem solving. I think, um, yeah, we're doing it every day, every day, you know, <laughs> there's a problem every day. So we're constantly challenging ourselves to, new heights and also like solving those problems so that's mm. a eternal kind of uh, aspect of entrepreneurship if if you really enjoy um that process of entrepreneurship
0: so is that the main recommendation you would give to other entrepreneurs be committed be committed to solve problems every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and then like also taking the good and the bad you know because we have this idea of entrepreneurship as being su- super fancy and like glamorous Mm. and like you know shiny Uh, but there's a lot behind all the work uh you know and and I think um part of that is embracing that journey and and all the aspects not just the good aspects right um it's also the other aspects um and the moment you start to accept you see more because when you're judging something whether that's a huge problem or even yourself I think you stop seeing um but if you're able to kind of not put judgment on it, you have more clarity. And I think that clarity is like key for, for entrepreneurs.
0: Indeed. So let me ask then one of the last one one last question. You said you were an athlete before or used to used to compete. Uh, and I'm trying to encourage all entrepreneurs out there to be in shape, you know, be fit. Uh, because I feel like you know entrepreneurship is like being a professional athlete. Uh, You need to be mentally and physically fit. Do you agree? And what recommendations would you give them, like, to stay fit?
1: Yeah, so I I definitely agree. It's like endurance sports on, like, asteroids. Mm. (laughs) Um, And, uh, I mean, in terms of, like, recommendations, so um, stay present, but give it your all, you know? Don't be complacent. So if you win or if you close a deal or you you kind of have this definition of success, um, know that next day is going to be training again. You know, like you have to come back, give your all as if you were training for the Olympics or a game or something. So um, stay disciplined, don't stay complacent. So stay focused and committed and give your all. Um, And especially also learn how to time yourself. So also have spaces of rest. Also have spaces of like distractions, um, get on the business and also in the business. So um, like athletes too, you know, you have the game, you train super hard, but then mm. you also have a phase of rest and recovery, um, and those moments are very important. So you also being able to disconnect um, and and also see from another perspective and and go back at it with all the speed and all the strength and all the passion, but um, also appreciating those moments of, of rest.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. How can people contact you.
1: you? Yeah, so they can write to me at elana.hey.com. So H-E-Y.com. And also on social media, uh, I-L-A-M-I-L-K-E-S on Instagram and on Twitter.
0: Excellent. Again, thank you, Elana. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. If you like this podcast, please share your favorite episode on social media so we can inspire as many entrepreneurs as possible. See you next time. Bye-bye.